Welcome to Sea Time, everybody, the off-road show that brings you all the results, news, and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Sea Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. Welcome to Seat Time, everybody. Brian Pierce here, your host for the evening. Typically, your host every Tuesday night as well, but I figure tonight I should be—I should make it feel extra special and tell you that I'm as well your host this evening. So thank you and welcome to Seat Time. This is the on-road sh- online show for the off-road enthusiast. If you happen to be someone that partakes in any kind of racing of two wheels, maybe you enjoy motorsports. You're like Stephen, where a good beer and a good razor makes you have a good weekend. This is definitely going to be a show where you're going to have a good time, and we appreciate everyone who is tuning in. Um, so, seat time, every Tuesday night we go live. If you, for some strange reason, don't get a chance to check in with us live, that's okay. We do archive the show after the fact. Um, you can find us on Stitcher and iTunes if you're looking for just the audio version only, or maybe even the website, which is seattime.co. That way... Um, we archive everything there. So any kind of press releases that come out or any kind of archive shows or maybe like the 4CS snippet that we had from our show last week with um, Alan Stillwell from Stillwell Performance. Pretty spectacular stuff. That's where you can find all of that kind of stuff. We're, of course, all over the social networks. Just search for Seat Time. You'll find us. It's not that hard, I promise. So... Tonight's going to be kind of fun. It's episode 138. Last weekend was good. We had Alan Stillwell on, talked a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot about suspension setup and for some of the races coming up. Like this past weekend, they had the National Enduro in uh, Grand Junction, Colorado. This coming weekend is going to be TKO. Following weekend after that is going to be the Enduro Cross picking back up in Atlanta. First time in the East Coast in umpteenth amount of years. So we got a lot of stuff coming up. Um, we won't have a show next Tuesday. That's just kind of like a precursor to everything. So just prepare for that. Hopefully we can get our guests for this evening as riled up as possible so we can create a great show for you guys. And uh, that way you don't feel like you missed too much next Tuesday when we are not streaming live but are packing up. More on that later. So big thanks to our uh, sponsors and supporters of Seat Time. Fly Racing, you can check them out at flyracing.com, of course. I do recommend everybody going and picking up some kinetic mesh gear from their local dealer for this weekend at the TKO. It may not be in the 90s, but it's still going to be nice and humid. It is southern Tennessee. It's going to be muggy, <laughs> to say the best, say the least. Um, you can check out stillwellperformance.com. Again, uh, go check out all the good conversations we had last week. That is going to be your best way to understand why you should give Stillwell Performance a call and get your squishy suck less done by them. Uh, the guys over at KR4 with their Arrive and Ride program, Enduros like uh, that we just had in Colorado, GNCCs that are coming up at Unadilla, those kinds of events, if you think that you want to go to those, definitely the Arrive and Ride program is one for you. Um, we really, really appreciate those guys for supporting Seat Time and for y'all for tuning in. So thank you very much. As I mentioned, our guests that are coming on this evening, we've got Mr. Zach Huberty from Innovation Off-Road and Ryan Kudla, who is within, I think, the 19th overall this past weekend in the top 20 of uh, the of everybody because that's like overall that's how overall works it's of everybody in the event um, on this evening so let's just see how everybody's doing we're on different coasts this is actually kind of cool we've got like east coast representation complete west coast representation and then me over in Texas representation because we're our own country <laughs> nice so what's going on guys how's your evening uh, it's going pretty good just been hanging out worked out a little bit uh, got back from Colorado yesterday afternoon yeah you uh stretched you feeling good like you're like hey 
things don't hurt all that much? Or are you kind of like, oh my God, it all still painful? Oh, it wasn't bad at all. I mean, I was a little painful in the car ride home, but after that, it was all, it was all pretty good. Good night's sleep and ready to go again. Nice. Well, we'll we'll chat about the mileage, or maybe as some people said, the lack thereof of mileage. Maybe that was why. Maybe you're just a really good rider. I think you're a really good rider, and that's probably what it's going to be. But we'll definitely talk about the mileage uh, at the National Enduro in a little bit. Mr. Zach, how's it going for you? Getting all that TKO testing out of the way? Yeah, not a lot of testing, just uh, putting bikes together. I got to send the Sherco back this weekend, so. Boo. Um, yeah, getting that ready to go and getting my own bike done. So that's pretty much what I've been doing today. Nice. Well, um, I see that you're on row one for the TKO in the amateur list. How did you pull that off? Did you slide <laughs> a dollar to somebody or did you, you know, did you promise a handy to somebody at the gate? Like what's going on there? <laughs> No, Mark Cook or um, sent me a message like two weeks ago and said, "Hey, you know, somebody ditched and row one is available. Do you want to go?" And I didn't plan on going, but with that kind of opportunity, I mean, you can't pass it up. So, well, the, the good I, thing about row one is that if you make a mistake, you've got all these other rows coming up behind you, so they can like see you on the side of the trail with your bent pipe or you know just your torn <laughs> whatever. I mean, that could be good, right? Yeah, I can just you know be a show for everybody behind me. <laughs> um, Hopefully for but, me, I'm on row seven, so don't, if I see you, you know you need to step it up. Or if you see me, you need to step it up. That's true. Know, that's I, true. <laughs> you could be the one coming up my exhaust pipe. Yeah, I don't know how you like it. <laughs> it can go either way. Well, uh, so Zach, you're on because uh, you know you have good opinions. We talk a lot about national enduros. You've been actually covering a lot of the national enduros with uh, Innovation Off Road. We're not able to make it out to this event in Colorado. Whatever it was, I know you did some local racing, so it'd be cool to hear about that. Um, and Ryan, I wanted to chat with you because, as we mentioned, 19th overall in the top 20 is, I think, is a fantastic result at a national enduro, especially when you're not part of the quote unquote double a class you know you're you're one of the were you in the 250a open a what class were you in i was in the open a class the open a class well your brother was in the 250a class right yeah 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 and he got seventh i mean i think that's still pretty darn respectable at a national enduro for sure doesn't do bad he started on the road behind me this time so i didn't get a chance to pass him like i normally do so oh the brotherly love that we all enjoy so much from the kudlas <laughs> that's awesome so Let's just kind of say, how was the Enduro? It's a, it was new to the National Enduro this year. Um, I, I do not know if this is a, a typical Enduro for a different organization. You know, if this is a club that typically has this race, it just happens to be on the National Enduro Series this year. Has this, was this a race you've ever done before? If not, what would you think of it? If it is, was it any different? Kind of give us some of your, your takeaways, Ryan. Well, so I'm pretty sure it's normally part of the RMAC Series, which is like the Colorado Enduro Series, because I... I, of course, did some YouTubing and found some videos of the trails that we'd be on in, a, in an effort to scout it out. But as far as, um, as, far as being a enduro, it was awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm a desert racer, so I'm used to tons of whoops and tons of rocks and tons of dust. So they had the, they had the rocks and the dust, but it was awesome flowing single track. I mean, it was, I don't really know what any other national enduros were like, but it was, it was just amazing for me flowing single track man that's pretty impressive um i i did see a lot of dusty comments when looking around at what people had said about 
the about the about the race. What were the tests like for you? Did you feel like they were one challenging? I guess two. Did they feel too long? Long enough? Not long? Not long enough? Like just right? Like kind of how did how did all those tests break down for you? So for me, I felt like uh, the first three tests were all a really good length. They were it was seven, seven, and then eight. And as far as um, difficulty, there was everything that was really too challenging. I mean, it was when you got in the rocks on the first test, it was just relentless. And then um, I'm not, I don't ride a ton of single track um, if it's not in the rocks. So it was a little, uh, um, that was more, that was almost more of a challenge for me. Um, but there were two short tests too. And then the last one was the longest test where the, you know, it's just, it's all about planning. When you get to the short test, you just know to, to sprint your ass off and get through them as fast as you can. And the longer test, you kind of get into a rhythm and, and just try and hold it through the whole entire test. And the last test was actually one of the most fun tests because they had these giant water breaks in like a quad ride trail. And you, I mean, we were jumping 80, 100, 120 feet because they were going downhill and it was just fantastic. Oh man, see you're 80, 100, 120 feet. That's easily where I'm like going like one bike length. Like just kind of like, whoop, bam, you know, just catching a little bit of air. What about you, Zach? You feel like you're uh, you're all over the place? Nah, I like to keep the wheels on the ground. <laughs> yeah, I, that's the same way I am too. Do you find like maybe desert racing, Ryan, or does that kind of prepare you for jumping the whoops, if you will, or jumping these big water breaks and kind of catching a lot of air? Maybe you do a lot of motocross racing as well. Or are you just in the flow and it's just like whatever's happening underneath is happening? Well, I, I grew up riding in a place called Gorman a lot, and they do a lot of trail maintenance and big water breaks like that, so that was part of it. But out in the desert, you get used to doing a lot of singles and jumping into whoops and landing into, into crap that you really don't want to land into. So when you have a nice, smooth run out like that, it makes it easy. Plus, I usually try and ride a lot of motocross, so I guess it's all a combination of everything that, that goes together. Right. Yeah, I always grew up doing enduros. I mean, that's where it all started for me. So unfortunately, like when I did or would try to make it to a motocross track, I really had no idea what I was doing. So I never grew up with anybody kind of pushing me to do jumps, if you will. So like, I'm kind of like what Zach was saying. It's like wheels on the ground is where I feel a little bit more comfortable. So, eh, but that's okay. I like riding in Colorado. Uh, Had you ridden in Colorado before, Ryan? That was my first time. So overall experience then, I'm pretty sure sounds epic, right? Oh yeah, it was it was super epic. It was, I mean, I can't even describe it. We were, I had a buddy on my minute that uh, we got to the first or the after the end of the first test, and he's like, "God, I got cramps, man." And I was, what? You didn't drink enough water? No, my face is just cramping because it's so awesome out here. <laughs> he's Smile like, "I can't stop, <laughs> can't stop smiling, bro." <laughs> Oh, dude, I can't even remember the last time I did that. I think I did that a little bit in Baja while we were testing for uh, for that for the for the Baja Rally. That was uh, that's riding I haven't done in so so long, and that's all the desert riding like what you do a lot of, Ryan. So uh, you probably would have been able to show me a thing or two, I'm sure, while I was out there. I could show you how to fall. I'm I'm usually pretty good at that. You're like you. I could show you a big ass dust cloud when I leave you. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, um, Zach, so we saw Andrew yeah. DeLong kind of come away with the first test win. I mean, did that so, and then obviously he got the Enduro win as well, but I was kind of looking at the fact that he got three test wins, really almost came away with the first four tests. Um, 
I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. I think that's a, a pretty pretty bold statement that he made, right? Yeah, I mean, um, I've kind of been writing about it a little this year, but since Charlie Mullins left with his injury, we haven't seen one rider like establish themselves as like, hey, I'm the next guy to grab the championship. And um, we had DeLong, Groham, and then I'm trying to think of um, uh, Backen, who won Virginia. Yep. You had three winners, and nobody like established themselves as saying, like, hey, I'm here to win the championship for the year. So DeLong's kind of the first one to get two wins, and he's also getting a lot of those test wins at the same time. So I don't know. I, I think he's kind of saying, like, hey, look at me. You know, I'm here to stay, and uh, with 17-point lead, you know, going into the last two rounds, it's kind of his championship to lose at this point. Yeah, that's a solid point. We were just talking about the fact that it sounds like he's not going to be going to the TKO this weekend. Probably, I would imagine, not going to be competing at the Enduro Cross the next weekend after that. Uh, does it seem like to you that he's kind of focusing on that National Enduro Championship up until the GNCC start back up? I mean, I don't know if it's just that he's focusing or um, he had talked a lot about when in Michigan about being burnt out and how he had overtrained too much and I mean just last week he was down there in Arizona training for ISDE then he went to Colorado so I assume that at this point he's been working so hard that having a couple weekends off is a good thing for him down the stretch and going into South Carolina and the last couple GNCCs yeah um when now this is a good this is definitely something I should know. Let's see when the next GNCC is. Let's see what the schedule says. Uh, it's going to be September sixth and seventh, so it's the weekend after Union South Carolina. That's correct, right? So because South Carolina is the thirty first. Yeah, I believe so. Okay, yeah. So then he's going to go into the GNCC series. So and and he and I talked to him as well about what you were talking just now about about the overtraining. Um, and I think he just wanted to make such a mark that he was just pushing it, pushing it so hard and realized he did need to step back. So that's a great observation. That could absolutely be why. Maybe the TKO and, you know, the Enduro Cross being kind of, they would be fun events. You know, he's kind of learned, oh, well, you know, maybe I'm pushing it a little too much. Um, let, let's back it down, take it easy, maybe go ride a, 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 what was it? He bought a new upright jet ski, right, after his, uh, it was a snowshoe win. Which win did he get that, no, the snowshoe podium um, his first XC1 podium, and then he used his bonus money to go buy an upright jet ski. I think that's a good way to use your bonus money. Yeah, I mean, looking like looking forward, I mean, he's got a lot coming up with GNCCs, National Enduros, and ISDE. And um, I know as a racer myself, having a weekend off or even two weekends, you know, you can get a lot done and you can also kind of go back to your own social life and not just be so caught up in the racing itself. And yeah. maybe it, maybe it'll provide a nice break and uh, relief for him. Well, any surprises this weekend for either of you guys uh, that kind of stand out in the results? Uh, I mean, Cody Webb was there. That was pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, I actually caught a lot of flack over it because – because you in called my, it exactly the way it turned out? <laughs> in my preview, I said he would get seventh overall. And, I mean, I got so many, like, calls, texts, emails, like, just telling me, like, hey, like, dude, you're so far off. Like, he's going to win a test. He's going to win the race. Like, 
you know, he has such an advantage. I said, I don't know, like, you know, we'll see. And um, I think I got a little lucky in that I predicted seventh and he got that place. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it also shows you, like, these guys that race the series, they're good and, like, they're they're some of the best riders in the world. And for the best indoor cross rider to come in and get seventh, you know, it really kind of gives you some perspective on the series itself. Sweet. Well, uh, I completely agree. These guys are badass. It's just that they're national enduros, I think, is a little bit more specialized. And if they were to, some of the guys that haven't done or maybe don't do enduro cross, took a little bit more time and maybe focused on enduro cross, then they'd be a little bit better enduro cross. But obviously, somebody like Cody Webb, he's a good, I mean, he's a great dirt bike rider. It's just that he may not be a great enduro racer. Uh, but you can tell with a seventh and a couple good finishes and some tests and some couple times, I think he said that he f- saw a W and felt like he was going the wrong way, turned around, but then realized he was going the right way in that last test. So little things like that, you know, it, it, he could he could turn it around. Um, what about you, Ryan? Any any kind of surprises from this weekend? Maybe any standouts or just like big takeaways from the weekend as well, being there at the National Enduro and Grand Junction? I was kind of surprised to see how bad Mike Lafferty did, but I heard he, he struggled to kind of get into a rhythm. Um, and it was kind of funny to see Ryder beat beat Mike because I don't think that's happened yet. Or I'm not, no, you know, no. Oh, nice. Um, and then Axel Pearson was out there, um, who I know is super fast, and he, he ended up falling off the trail. So I, I, I thought the results were a little bit mixed up from what I expected. Um, but... Uh, the big takeaway for me was that these guys are really fast. I mean, I was looking at my test times, and all <laughs> yeah. my test times are like double what the pros are, except for the last test. And it it was it was kind of it was depressing and it was encouraging at the same time because it just makes you push that much harder. And and we were talking about on the ride home, and it's like and, and it's just the thought, you know, if I can save a quarter of a second in every turn, each test had you know 500 turns. So a quarter times 500, you save was I can't do simple math fast. You're too uh, much of a professor. Yeah. I can do some quantum mechanics with simple math. Nah. <laughs> so it's maybe 125 seconds each time, so roughly two minutes, uh, if you can just be a quarter of a second faster in every corner. All right. Well, that's what I'm going to aim for at the TKO, a quarter of a second faster over every rock. Exactly. I don't want to like, <laughs> do that math, though, because there's a shit ton of rocks. <laughs> It's, yeah, I mean that's no, I just, a great point. It was just an awesome experience all the way around. It was it was really 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 fun, and and just to get to ride with those caliber riders. And I was there was I was right going back and forth. The guy in the minute in front of me was the guy that finished a second behind me, and we were kind of we were we weren't shit talking between each test, but we were joking around every time. He's a local, so every time I asked him what was on each test, and I just I love getting back to. I got really involved in the in the management of our local racing series, and I just love getting back to races where I can just show up, hang out, barbecue, race, and have an awesome time at an awesomely run event. Good. Well, that's good to hear that you think the National Enduros were run really well. I, I typically think that they're run very well. I think some of the times when people have issues, if you will, with um, the National Enduro is unfortunately with what the clubs are in charge of. Um, 
typically, which is all the stuff that's done before any of the NEPG guys kind of take over, if you will, for the weekend or maybe even the week before as they kind of start to get there and get set up. I noticed you were on row four, Ryan. That seems weird to me, but I think in kind of in the West Check Enduro circuit, you typically, you pro guys would run all up front. Is that correct? Um, well, it depends on the local district. Um, at AMRA, the uh, AA guys, I think, start at start at 1 and then go from there. In District 36, they start at 5 and then go up from there. And then in the District 37 series, there's no AA class, so you're just kind of wherever you, wherever you pre-enter. Right. In, uh, so, like, in Texas, and it was the same in Louisiana, and it's the same at the National Enduros and stuff like that, you know, the pros... Or the fast guys are like in the twenties. Um, is that is there a reason that that's not kind of not the case out there in the desert rate, the deserty enduros? Is it the dust? Um, I think that might be part of it, uh, especially in Am- I know the I raced the West Check series, and out in Amra, um, we did a one in in Wickenburg. It actually used to be a national enduro a little while ago. And being on one, we started at 8 in the morning, and the dust was just unbearable. We dropped into a sand wash, and you just couldn't see if you weren't on row one. So I think they put you further up just to be more advantageous, as most of the trails are burned in anyways. And I, I like being on early roads. I don't like passing as many people. Um, so, And all the trails seemed burned in there, so I didn't really seem like it was a, it was a big disadvantage to be up front. Interesting. Yeah. Um, huh. I'm trying to kind of think about that because it just seems it just it seems crazy to me. I think like the the place I liked the best when I wasn't in the 20s was kind of like the 15s, the the, the mid teens. Uh, it because for a lot of the same reason that you just said, you know, there there doesn't seem to be as many slower guys in there, and as well the trails kind of broken in a little bit more. Um, but uh, I don't know, Zach. What do you think about that? I know that you guys kind of stick to the quote unquote more traditional like pro row, if you will. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you're talking about this because uh, <clears throat> locally, um, most times we either start on 15 or 21 for double A's, and it's gotten to the point now where when you get on that 15 or 21, that's when you pre-enter. So now all the double A guys post-enter because the later rows, like especially in the rocks, are provide like a little more advantage. Um, but actually at Rattlesnake, I was in one of the conversations where Alan Rant at the NEPG was talking about next year they're thinking about starting the pros on like a row 31 because 31 to the end of the pros, the trail doesn't change as much as say from like 21 to 35. Hmm. And they're also kind of worried about like this year, there's been a couple of pros that have gotten lost. Um, so they're thinking that if they start further back, the trail will be more established for the or is where you would start from 21 back. I don't know. I, I really wasn't, uh, like following the series, I guess, as closely when they started doing that re like the row assignments. Um, but I think that is an interesting way to really level it out. Right. Oh, so that's, we're all like checking stuff out and trying to figure out my daughter's here yelling at the window and I'm like, hey, Steven, figure out what she's saying. And so the camera's on me the whole time as I'm like, it's like SOS and sign language going on over here. No, it's interesting. That's pretty cool. I'm glad that we're talking about all this fun National Enduro stuff. So I'm looking forward to Union, South Carolina uh, coming up on August 31st. It's going to be fun. Anything? 
Nora's crawling, everybody. Nora, my five-month-old, is crawling. Yay! That was it was that important that she came in here and interrupted the seat time. So now we've gone from we've been a sex show, we've been a moto show, and now we're a baby show. Well, let me rephrase that because we didn't actually start as a sex show, but we worked our way into one a couple times, and now we're a baby show. So I don't know. This is kind of weird, but I guess when you have sex, you could have babies, and as long as there's moto, there's sanity. So I guess this show makes complete sense to everybody that's listening. I would think anyway. <sighs> okay, so does anybody else know how many of the last Enduros Stuart Baylor Jr. has gotten second at? Three? Yep, three. What do you think about that, Ryan? I would love to get second. I wish I could do it that many times. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty impressive because he was kind of having, I guess you could say, a slow season, like kind of starting things out. But talking to his dad, his wrist still bothers him. So either it bothers him less or he's figured out a way to kind of make it work. Or maybe it's just be- – go ahead. I think he needs a set of flex bars. That will help out a lot. I would agree. <laughs> I completely agree. I think having some flex bars would make things a load easier on his wrist. They make things better on my wrist. I wish – they have that flex – That uh, what is it called? The fleshlight where you can attach it to your iPad. I mean, yeah, that's a sex toy. But maybe we need to get some kind of like flex fleshlight. So that way there's way less uh, abuse on your wrist when you're using your flesh. Is that, I mean, do you think that's possible? You made a Kudla connection. You could probably make something like that, right? I, I think we might be able to machine something up. Yeah. If we're using machining when it comes to sex toys, somebody's going to have issues. <laughs> Let's make sure we coat the aluminum. Whatever we do, I think it needs to have a fine coating of greatness. <laughs> the, the rawness makes it a little better. I promise. <laughs> I like it. Well, Ryan, I don't know if you had a chance, but did you tune in for the show that we had last weekend with Alan Stillwell? I saw actually most of it. Okay. Did you catch some of the 4CS talk that we were having going on? I caught the first end of it, and then I and then I had to actually do work. Okay. So no, that's fine. Of... For for what you were able to catch, I mean, did you, were there any takeaways for you from that? That kind of really. You know, I mean, I thought he was extremely honest, which I was thankful for. But yeah, I mean, the, basically, the, the thing is, it's 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 here. It's not going anywhere. So we gotta we gotta learn how to use it. It seemed like he really worked um, and got and got a close setting. Um, I'm hoping to get a 15 soon, so that me and my suspension guy can can start working on our settings. Everybody I've talked to says that they're getting there on the 4CS essentially. Yeah, and it sounds like, uh, you know, Zach, you did a good job talking about it, and obviously Alan did a fantastic job talking about it too. That it was uh, the fact that uh, what was it? It was not bleeding the oil, but it couldn't it couldn't move the oil fast enough. It was choking up. Was that correct, uh, Zach? Yeah, it was pretty much saying that. Like, I don't know. I think he used that hose analogy that you know there's too much you know water trying to go through like a or too much oil trying to go through the small hole of the piston. I think you've actually seen, but a lot of companies now developing their own piston, which pushes more oil, um, I guess, to kind of relieve that harshness in the forks. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, it was funny because you're talking about the machining of 
of the Pistons, there was a gentleman in the chat room that actually does a lot of the machining for some of those suspension companies. Not particularly for Stillwell, but some of the other ones in the Northeast. So, yes, 4CS forks are making work for Americans in the Northeast uh, and probably around the country. So that's always much appreciated. Man, I got like stuff getting pinged all over the place right now. Well, um, any any other big any any other big national enduro stuff? I mean, anything that kind of stood out to you guys? I, I was impressed that Jesse Grome was still in the top three. Um, one of my big takeaways that I was really, really, really pleased to see was two Texas guys doing so well. Um, Caleb Ramsey, let me get this right. Caleb Ramsey and Drew Higgins, respectively, 14th and 23rd overall. Um, so not only did Caleb Ramsey beat you, Mr. Ryan Kudla, but he also beat Mr. Cole Kirkpatrick, who I believe was in about 17th uh, overall. Um, and they were both, though, in the expert AA class. And so with that, Caleb was third, actually on the podium. What, what? And then Drew was fifth. Drew's done really well at a lot of the, at the National Enduros this year in the expert AA class. Um, I know I don't know if you've kind of looked into him at all, Zach, or followed what he does in Texas and maybe outside doing the Moore series and stuff like that. Um, but what are you kind of what are your thoughts on Drew Higgins if you have any at this point in time? Um, I actually met him in, at the the rattlesnake race for the first time, and uh, yeah, I mean we didn't talk for long. I was actually talking to the Kenda guy and he had a bunch of Kenda questions. Um, I guess he's, he was starting to run some. Um, but as far as like visually seeing him, I mean, he's a talented rider and he really isn't far off of Craig DeLong. And, um, he's kind of one of those riders right now that's in like the DeLong shadow because Craig keeps winning these expert races. And then Drew is most times second and, uh, maybe doesn't get a as much you know the, the spotlight um but he's definitely talented and i think he's going to be one of those pro riders i mean if he goes pro next year he'll be one to watch um in the future very cool yeah and th- that was going to be my next question is what would his future look like you know there's guys like brad bakken um who kind of have an enduro only deal um, but really, there aren't too, too many more. Nick Ferringer, but he's kind of OMA as well. Ryder Lafferty. Um, but I see both of those guys right now, unless there's something else going on behind the scenes, kind of staying there and probably less of an opportunity for something to open up. I mean, it would, if he were to go into the pro class that next year in the National Enduros, he would probably be on a complete privateer, however he could fund it, kind of program, don't you think? Yeah, and I mean, I think that's kind of becoming the reality of off-road is that a lot of these riders, once they go into the pro class, they're going to have to, you know, do their own thing, do the privateer way. And uh, I mean, look at Air Group. That essentially started as a privateer team, and now they're getting support from Husqvarna. Um, So I think somebody really needs to start, you know, these different small foundations, and if they can acquire the right riders and take them as they go up the pro ranks that team then is going to grow themselves and um, that's the only you know real way to to get different spots available for these riders right ryan what do you any thoughts on that i know that with your brother being a promoter um, and you as well helping promote a lot of races I mean, have you kind of any take on how maybe people could kind of create these smaller obviously very low budget um, kind of privateer-esque teams to maybe just help out with certain aspects of, of racers like a Caleb like a, a 
Caleb Ramsey or a Drew Higgins being able to make all the national enduros and take a shot at maybe a top 10 overall in the national enduros? I, I think from that kind of standpoint, I, I don't, I don't see a lot of people that want to get involved that way. It really takes to, to start with a small team. It really takes someone who has been involved in it before or has been doing something in the past. Cause I think air group originally started helping some of the ISE effort. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure on that. I know they, that they were, they, they, they were helping last year. Um, but as far as small teams, you really have to find somebody that's interested. I got lucky enough that I found a person who used to raid and, you know, his company's doing well and he wants to give back. Um, I mean, I would really, really like to see it. Um, like, Pervine's really got involved and they have their factory beta on the West Coast now. And that kind of started as a smaller operation and has grown significantly even after just the first year. Um, so I want to see it. I want to see companies do that. But it, in reality, it seems like it's really hard to get someone invested um, for a whole season or involved on a consistent basis hmm yeah no i i would completely agree and, and unfortunately i don't have a ton of knowledge when it comes to that kind of stuff just because i've never been a a good enough writer to where i've ever talked to teams about it or b financially stable enough or well enough off that it's like okay cool i've got 10 grand that i literally would like to be able to write off you know let's make sure these guys can have a good year and i can help people out so I don't know. It'd be interesting. I'd like to to hear more people's thoughts on that kind of stuff if we can come up with it. I think one good person to talk to about that, Zach, would be Idaho Joe. Um, that kind of stuff, and because he had some fantastic stuff to say about the ISDE um, qualifications and stuff like that um, when we had him on uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, and I think then there's like the other side of that, in that a lot of people that are trying to start their privateer teams that. They have when they go to these different sponsors, they don't clearly establish like what they're gonna do for the sponsor. Yeah, they're just how like they're give us get your money. Exposure back. Yeah, I mean, and with somebody that has ten thousand, you've got to be able to prove to them and say that you know, here's the exposure, here's what you're gonna get out of it, and uh, you know, here's where you're gonna see your return. And um, I think sometimes in off road, that's a really hard thing to prove, and especially with like a privateer team. Um, but people that have done that before have been able to, you know, get that success and support and, uh, you know, slowly build. Yeah. Yep. I like it. Well, let's keep, let's keep the discussion going and we'll, we'll figure out how we can, you know, make money and give people money. That's like the American dream right there. Actually probably just making money, but I mean, (laughs) you know, we'll figure it out. Right. We're smart people. I mean, look, Ryan's like totally smart, like. Brainiac over there. I, only a little bit. I, it's it's a, it's all a facade. If you say the right things, you just sound smart, and people stop listening at, at a certain point. I like it. <laughs> I mean, like, take, this, take, take this for example. So I'll, I'll tell you what I do, and let's see where I lose you. Okay. So I'm an NMR spectroscopist, <laughs> and we're researching tryptophan synthase to determine its mechanism of synthesis for tryptophan. And if we determine the mechanism, we can produce drugs that will essentially stop bacterial infections because we don't make our own tryptophan, but bacteria does. Those bastards making tryptophan. I can't believe those bastardly bacteria in my body are doing that to me. Or is that good? Did I miss... Do we want that? (laughs) No, we don't. (laughs) I don't know. We 
Express tryptophan and E. coli. So you don't really want E. coli, right? Nope. From what I understand, I don't want that. So that, that's, that's a little of what I do. See, if you just say the right things, even in our world, that's just a, a very basic statement. But to everybody else, like you could say something, you're a web designer, right? True. True. If you said something about web design, you would probably lose me in the second sentence. That's true. It's all, it's Maybe. All, it's all just a little bit different, right? Well, I'm going to say yes, and we're just going to go with it because then I don't want the chance to try to sound smart because then everybody's going to figure how quickly this is going to go downhill. <laughs> we don't need that happening because I'm the host. I'm supposed to know what's going on here, right? Right. Well, Ryan, I don't know if you need to keep working or if you need to drop off or anything like that. We're going to kind of change gears a little bit and start talking about the TKO that's going to be coming up. You're more than welcome to stay, but I just didn't know if you if you uh, if you had plans or if you had dinner or work or whatever. I should probably get back to work, actually actually get some results for the boss. All right, well, make sure you help me out and get rid of all my tryptophans. We're working on it. Soon. All right, I'm, Soon. I'm really, I'm over here in Texas waiting, and you are holding up my lack of my ability to get rid of these bad boys. All right, I'll, I'll let you know as soon as we have an answer. All right, Zach, are you ready to get rid of your tryptophans? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> e. coli gone. I don't. Is that not a good science? Is there? Is that not uh, a good science joke? <laughs> no, that was that was that was perfect. I was just laughing so I didn't know where to go next. I don't know. Yeah, you're like in awe. It's just completely baffled, if you will. Well, cool. Well, we really appreciate it. Again, congratulations, dude. Twentieth overall at a national enduro is fantastic. I think that's a, a a result to be extremely proud of, and I'm uh, glad that you were able to talk with us and share some time again, man. All right, awesome. Thank you for having me. Hell yeah. Well, go tryptophan it up. I'll try. I'll tr we want to kill E. coli, not the tryptophan. We like tryptophan. Oh, we like tryptophans, but we need them to get... I totally fucked that up. There's just no way... Uh, no way to clear that up. Sorry, everybody. I did not mean to tryptophan your E. coli. All right. It's okay. It's okay. If you stop now, you'll stop embarrassing yourself. No, so. it won't ever happen. <laughs> Damage has already been done. Yeah, we're in. Thanks, dude. We'll chat soon. All right, no problem. Talk to you later. Later. All right, Zach. Uh, so uh, I saw you got some really good fly racing gear for the TKO coming up. Yeah, just got in some uh, kinetic mesh gear the other day. Nice. So you're expecting to be nice and uh, not as humid? Yeah, I mean, um, up here it's been like 85 to... I don't know, 90s humid, so I'm getting used to it, but uh, definitely having some vented gear helps out in the long run. Oh, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to wearing my fly racing gear as well at the TKO. We do have to mention that fly racing is a huge supporter of Sea Talk. Yes, we wear fly racing, but we wear it because it's really good gear. It's the best vented gear on the market. Believe me, being from Texas, I have tried them all. Uh, very appreciative for the effort that they put into making their kinetic mesh gear so good and close to indestructible. It is mesh gear. It's dirt bike gear. We hit crap in the woods. Stuff can happen. But they're also really good about that stuff, kind of that that stuff as well. Um, being able to have a customer service team behind the products that they do sell. So go to your local dealer if you're coming to TKO or even if you're just riding in the heat. Make sure you go check out the Kinetic Mesh Gear and uh, support Fly Racing because they support us. So that's a big a big portion of, of our saying, thank you. They're a good time. And Zach, what other kinds of stuff have you been doing getting ready for the TKO? I have a couple that I think you have been doing 
But besides that, I want to know what you think you've been doing. Um, I mean, I really haven't had a lot of time. So uh, last week I did some suspension testing um, with a, a local guy that's helped me out, Drew Smith. So we spent um, a whole afternoon testing two sets of suspension there. And I'm feeling confident heading into TKO that I've got a good setup. And then uh, talked to Mike, Mike Tosh at Kenda and got a few Kenda tires in to try out this weekend. And this is actually the first time that I've run Kenda tires in probably like two years. Um, so it's going to be a learning experience. But uh, based on talking with Mike, I think... We found some tires that are similar to what I've been running before, and if not better. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited. Very cool. Um, it's funny. One of the questions I had is I wanted to ask why the Washougal front tire. So you've got the prototype rear tire that we'll talk about in a second. But then what about the Washougal front tire? Why pick that one over, say, maybe the triple sticky? Um. Basically, up here, I've been running the M59, which is made by Bridgestone, and uh, that's pretty much the go-to um, rock tire of the Northeast, whether it's muddy, rooty, rocky. And when I talked to Mike, I said, I want to run something that's almost identical or similar to the M59. So he recommended the Washougal, but he also said the triple sticky would work well. And for me using this tire for like the first time, which will probably be on Saturday, I would rather pick something that's not drastically different and something that I already know works well for me. Right. Um, so just kind of keeping one of those variables the same instead of changing it. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because that's not what I did at all. I said, hey, Mike, <laughs> what tire is going to help me the most in the rocks? And he was like, the, soup, the, the triple sticky in the front and then the prototype in the rear. And I was like, send them. 21 and 18 bro bring it he was like okay i was like i don't care how this thing works in the dirt because the dirt's not gonna be my problem it's gonna be the rocks so that i was just like whatever and at the time it looked like the we might be getting rain but now if you look at the the forecast it looks like it's gonna be high in the 90s but then of course muggy is all get out so super ball sweat super ball sweat yeah i think it's supposed to rain i think it was today and that's supposed to be dry the rest of the week up until the race so um I've ridden down there once before, and I know that it holds moisture pretty well. So even if it is dry up until then, there will probably be some slick spots. Um, but for me, I'm, I'm hoping it's dry. That would be the, the best case scenario. Yeah, no, I would agree. If there's just enough to kind of keep the dust down, that's going to be super exciting. So do you think we're going to see Cody Webb win again? Uh I don't know. I mean, he's been pretty dominant this year, and he in has. almost every you know extreme indoor that he's been going to. Um, but if you look at Taylor Robert lately, he's really picked it up. Not only in the ISD side of you know training and works, and I think he did an OMA. And I mean, I think right now that guy's got a lot of momentum behind him. So I guess only time will tell. Yeah, it's funny. That's exactly kind of what I had in my notes is that I think Cody Webb has the best shot of getting another title, to be honest. But the the one person that I definitely think is going to be out there giving him the most grief, if you will, um, if not 
potentially beating him is going to be Taylor Roberts for all the things that you mentioned. He's been doing so well. He hasn't had the Enduro Cross season that I know he was looking for, but they've been on such a big break that he was able to go do Erzberg where he did pretty well. Um, especially he even competed pretty much against Cody Webb like in the last hundred yards where they thought they needed to race to the arch, but they didn't. And then of course it going to the OMA and winning there. Um, and he's been doing all the training for the ISDE that they did last weekend. I mean, the guy is got his head on straight so and he second place last year no mike brown this year it looks like it looks like i mean mike brown's doing the australian four day right now i mean he is literally it's winter there and it's a totally it's the next day so if he were to come back he would have no time to acclimate i mean that just doesn't make sense that he would fly back in specifically to try to compete at the tko i mean do you think he would i don't know and with with uh, I texted Craig DeLong today to find out if you know Andrew and them were going down, and they said no. So I figured that if he isn't going down, then the sprinter probably isn't going down, and you know then again Mike Brown probably isn't going either. So I'd say it's probably a safe bet, and I haven't seen a PR come through from TKO saying that you know they were confirmed to race. I've only seen the the Yamaha guys and a couple of KTM guys and uh, Colton Haker so far. Yeah, I have an explanation on that. I asked about a confirmation on a list. Um, they don't have. They said they only have the invited riders list currently, which is on the website, because of the fact that so many riders do tend to wait to the last minute to kind of confirm that they're coming. So making a list like that would be very tough, is what they kind of told me. I was like, okay, that makes sense. I mean, that sucks for them, but it makes sense that that's kind of why they haven't put out a confirmed, you know, pro rider list, if you will, for Sunday. So there's always that. Wow. Yeah, and I don't know. It it seems like this year, maybe, I don't know if there is or isn't a lot more hype around the event, um, but, like, you would think that some of these riders would be really keen to go, but um, I guess a lot of them have other stuff going on or other plans or, you know, maybe they just don't have it in the budget to attend this race. Yeah, um, we've been kind of helping out actually a little bit, myself and Mark Cook, uh, with kind of helping them promote a little bit. I was like, man, you guys need to get an Instagram account together. We need to start moving this along. So him and I have been kind of helping them uh, try to organize that. Unfortunately, um, taking the reins is a much different scenario than just kind of um, giving suggestions, if you will. So maybe one day, but if that's the case, I'll let I'll let Cook run it. <laughs> I don't. I, I have enough going on. Believe you me. Apparently, my five year old's crawling upstairs. So good. Guy only knows what what else I'm missing out on right now. Liam could be going to college next week. I don't know what's happening. It's just it's insane around here right now. Um, I wanted to know, or I, one of the things that I thought I was kind of looking around. Corey Grafunder. I think he could be another standout rider. Now he was on the podium last year, third place. Um. He's been doing a lot of extreme enduros on the Huskies. I don't know what bike he's going to be on because he was <laughs> supposed to be riding Shurkos, but he didn't get one in time for a bunch of races, so then he was riding Huskies, and then he went overseas, didn't ride a Shurko there, so he was riding Huskies, then got invited by Husky to do Romaniacs, did it again on a Husky. So what bike is he going to be on if he does the TKO? I have no idea. I have no idea either. And it's the, the cool Stucky's backyard, Rem- so if there's a Sherco around, he should be riding it if he's still with him. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how that whole thing went down. Um, I was surprised myself because 
at the one in Doracross, he showed up on a KTM four-stroke, and then when he went overseas, he was on a Husky, and then at Romaniacs, he was on, like, a factory Husky, like one of uh, Graham Jarvis's replicas. Um, but I don't know what he's doing here. I'm guessing that both him and Redmond will probably be on KTMs. I don't know if they're still doing that, like, Dirtworks team type of deal. Yeah, I don't either. It'll um, be interesting. I know there were – yeah, I – I really haven't followed it as closely as I should have, but uh, yeah, I, I'm really not sure. Me neither. But hey, I'm looking to see about Max Gersten too. Max Gersten at uh, Enduro Cross has done a lot better. Um, at X Games, he did really well, top ten at the National Enduro. I think he's got. I think he's going to be a top five contender. Honestly, I think he could do it. Um, I don't know about podium per se, but I think he's picked up some momentum, got a little bit more confidence. Uh, maybe he's been working on bike setup. I know Alan, obviously, with working with Cody, they've done such a great job with those betas. So I would assume that Max is getting a lot of that. So Max does a lot of the work for Alan, or did anyway. I don't know if he's still working in the shop. but uh, So they, they know what they're doing. So I would expect a good result from him. Yeah, and now and Max is also on that new beta 350, the one that has... EFI and uh, I think that was the one that he got fifth at. Uh, was that? I think that was X Games where he got fifth. Yes, that's uh, correct. I did a I did a shot with his mom uh, at the after party because of that. Cool. <laughs> yep. Uh, and when I say shot, I actually watched his mother like lift the bottle up and pour vodka into her mouth, and then she like handed me the bottle, and I did the same thing. And I was like, "That's a bitchin' mother right there." I was like, "Hell yeah!" But those were—that was when we were, like, I had just met his parents, and I was like, "Well, how how excited are you about Max getting his best endurocross finish?" And that's when she was like, "This excited!" And she like grabbed the vodka bottle and was like, Bleh. "I was like, <laughs> hi, mom, <laughs> I'm your long lost other son. Let's hang out. Let's hang out." Yeah, and then we got Mark Cook in the chat room talking about Max Gerson. We're already there, buddy. We're already there. You're delayed, bro. Totally delayed. What the hey? Uh, so then we got Union, South Carolina. Well, we got, so we're going to have TKO this weekend. The weekend after that, we're going to have Atlanta Enduro Cross. And then the weekend after that is Union, South Carolina. And then the weekend after that is the GNCCs at Unadilla. Did we get Unadilla right? I know it's. I got the date right now because I looked it up, but then I forgot what freaking... Yeah, Unadilla, the 6th and 7th. So, I think we have a lot of racing coming up, dude. Yeah, it's going to be busy, and I mean, I think you've already noticed it, but even like with ISD at the end of the year, it's even later than it was last year. And Right, being in November, yep. The season's long, and I I didn't think about this until now, but a lot of contracts are ending... You know, in that October, November range, and it'll be interesting to see where some of these riders are at ISDE because technically, if they're off the team, like what bike will they ride? Or if they're starting on a new team, you know, they could be on a different bike, which may kind of change things up a little bit. Let me guess is one of these riders that you're talking about Zach Osborne? Oh, I, I wasn't thinking of him, but yeah, sure. Because think about it, he is a motocross rider, races for Geico Honda. Geico Honda apparently is not happy with 
how much off-road riding he likes to do. They're too much of a liability. You know, he's paid to be a Supercross motocross racer. So the talks have been that he would be going to a brand or he has been talking to a brand that would be much more supportive of his off-road habits. So, I mean... Which is supposedly Husqvarna. Right, supposedly. But, kind of, and then you're like, well, does that mean it's the new Rockhawk? Rock, Rockhawk. The Rockstar Husqvarna team that Jason yeah. Anderson is on? So is he going to be a 250 rider again on that team? Um, but what you know. have to think about, though, is that even though... You know, he may think going to that team that he can ride more off-road. You know, once you get paid so much money to race Supercross and Motocross, any team manager isn't really going to like them going somewhere else and possibly getting hurt. They would much rather have them get hurt on a motor, you know, Motocross track than in the woods or at some GNCC, you know. Yeah. So I, I don't think <laughs> – I think it's that they didn't, they didn't like the fact that he did it at all. Because if you kind of pay attention, he never really did it when it could really, really... He wasn't doing it the weekend before, you know, a season started or something like that. I think he was giving full focus to motocross and supercross. Um, It's just that they did not like the fact that he wanted to do that kind of stuff. Like, even going to the ISDE, like, they're paying him to be a supercross and motocross rider. Why would they want to then add that to the bill if they don't want to support it? I mean, if if they're, I mean, obviously this is all rumors that we're kind of unfortunately going off of. But if they're that biased about it, you know, then why would they want to throw that into the thing when maybe with somebody else he could actually get all that put into the contract? Where if he's healthy and motocross and supercross, you know, is done and his commitments are done there, that he has the ability to have team support for you know these other events. Uh, maybe a, a bike, you know, maybe an off-road specific bike, maybe a mechanic, maybe he's going to be part of other kinds of teams that are at these events. So I think just having the ability to have that built into the contract where he can do other stuff and get support would make it a lot more beneficial for him to have better results. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree, but, I mean, at the end of the day, no matter how much and, you know, what's written in the contract... I just don't see it happening, him going to, like, any Supercross or Motocross team and them saying, like, here in your contract you can race off-road. Like, I just know as if I was a team owner, I would probably be in a similar position as Geico because that's where all of your resources are going is into that rider. And you're putting so much money behind him that, I mean, I guess for the rider it would be great to do off-road, but at the end of the day, like, like you said before, that's what you're paid to do is race supercross and motocross. And um, I guess sometimes you have to make choices. And my guess is in the next couple of years is that we'll probably see Osborne more on the off-road side than we will in motocross. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Um, we'll just have to kind of see how things develop for next year and see what that is if it does come to fruition. Obviously, if he's on Geico Honda next year, then it didn't. Um, but if it does and he's on a Rockstar Husky team or he's on another whatever team do, that has the ability to maybe do some off-road on the side when it, you know when it's when it doesn't interfere, we'll kind of see how that develops. I mean, he could like have a year or two of good Supercross motocross and be like, all right, I have a chance at being a top five, top three, top you know champion guy. I need to focus here, or eh, I don't want to be a top ten guy. I'd rather just go race off road than put the effort in and only be top ten motocross, supercross, and go somewhere else. I don't know. Yeah, 
So um, uh, how I should don't know. go ahead. I was gonna ask you. I didn't know if you were surprised, kind of like I was, about them doing that whole ISD training week with uh, Destry Abbott. I was surprised when I saw the pictures and heard that it was happening, and I was super stoked. Um, that is so smart. That is shows the commitment that those guys have to this, um, and we have Kurt Caselli to thank for that because if he hadn't got into it in the mid, you know, the 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 mid two thousands and started to really show his patriotism, if you will, his commitment to going to the ISDE to put on a fantastic event and do the best that he could, if he hadn't have been around to instill that in these guys, I think we kind of would still have the kind of, you know, that, that the, I don't want to say half-ass, but the, the kind of a team with less purpose, if you will. And right now they have a purpose. Their purpose is... Taylor Robert wants to overall the ISDE, and they want to win the World Trophy Cup this year, period. Um, and you can tell. I mean, they are putting in the effort. And, you know, it sounds like uh, – I talked to Auntie a little bit, and it sounds like every year, you know, they're still learning, obviously. Like, Auntie's only been the team manager for, what, two or three years now? Um, and so the KTM budget changes just a little bit, and it gets a little bit better every year. So he's able to help – the whole team, not just the world trophy, the world and the junior and the women's. Like he's actually able to give more and more money every year to the club teams as well. It's just the biggest problem this year. There's these crazy taxes for shipping stuff into Argentina. So what typically might be like a ten to twelve thousand dollar endeavor for a club member may now be somewhere between the fifteen and twenty thousand dollars because of all the taxes that it's going to come into just to get their big old crate of bikes and crap into the harbor and past customs. So Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I'm not sure who I was talking to about ISD, but they had said that it was almost cheaper to rent their own plane to fly to Argentina than like buy plane tickets through, you know, an already existing airline that for them they could almost like rent a team plane for the you know that that time that they needed to go down there right and it would be cheaper than having to you know go and buy tickets well i don't own a private jet and if i did <laughs> i would do my best to let those guys use it yeah <laughs> i mean and if i had a private jet it probably would fit four people so it doesn't i don't really know how much help it would be but it would be there for you guys for sure man one day, right, yeah. Steven? Yeah. Wh- one which day. four people would you fly? Oh, well, okay. Am I going or not? Am I one of the four people? Oh. I so then know. who are the three? <laughs> this year, I'm not going. So we'll just say I'm not one of the four people. We're going to we're gonna let them use it. Uh, I, I, Auntie. Auntie needs it. Auntie needs it. Um, I think at this point, I kind of agree that Taylor Robert is like on par. Like he could do it. Like, he could totally overall this thing and help bring the team there. So I would do Taylor Robert. Um, I would pick... Um, and then I would pick a, a random a woman and a, ra- a woman rider, not just random woman for off the street, um, <laughs> and then a, a, a random club rider. I would. Uh, that's how I would do it. I think that would that sounds fair because it's, it doesn't... It's one from each kind of discipline, and then it also, you know... It's it's not really taking favors, I don't think. Is it favorites? Would it be? I don't know. 
I don't know. Maybe if I like went around and tried to find the woman with the biggest boobs or nice butt, then it would be favoritism. But since it's random, I think we're good, right? I mean, fair. So now I got to get a jet that seats at least four. That sucks. And we're making way too many plans here for money we don't have. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. We're just finding out about an, after, an industry after party at the Enduro Cross. I'm not going to say where or when because I don't know if it's that kind of public knowledge, but that's what's going on in the chat room right now. So that's why I love the chat room so much. They're just good, good people. Oh. Um, so that could be fun. We do have a plane to catch Sunday Sunday morning to get back home, but hey, I've been on a plane hungover before. And it's interesting because I guess when that event first started, I thought that they would really attract some of these, you know, European riders like say David Knight and uh, you know, like an Alex Salvini or just some of these different Euro riders you would think that they'd be, you know, come over to do this extreme event, but Maybe it just isn't quite big yet, or maybe something about it doesn't pique their interest. What about uh, travel? Uh, where's the closest airport? Uh, that could be a big part of it. Logistically, it's just, yeah. you know, why rent a car and drive four or five hours with bikes and all this other crap? Like, it just doesn't. Yeah. And maybe the probably payout, too. It doesn't. or Atlanta, I think, would probably, <laughs> probably be the two closest, biggest airports. Oh, and it's exactly what you were talking about, too, about say somebody has $10,000 and they want to do this team. Well, what are they going to get for it? So what is what is Graham Jarvis's team going to get for bringing him over here if he wins? They're not going to get any TV coverage. They're not really going to get any kind of, you know, they may get in some kind of after coverage video that, you know, somebody like a Jason Hooper or Dingle, David uh, Daniel Ingvall would put together. Uh, Ingle, but, you know what I mean? So yeah, but it's the, interesting that they've come over to do, say, King of Motos. But look at um, the coverage King of Motos gets. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I mean maybe that's the the factor that's not there for their team to say, hey, you know, come over. And I know David Knight was supposed to come over before the whole Sherco split. He was actually going to come over and race, but with everything that went down there. You know, that's not going to happen. Yep, it's interesting. So what that means is you and I are going to talk to Jessica and some of the other people at the TKO Center, at the Trials Training Center, and we're going to figure out how we can blow this shit up for next year, right? Yeah. And then we can go buy our fucking jet. <laughs> I like it. We're we're uh, we're making good plans here. I think. Well, cool. Well, dude, what else? You got anything else to talk about? If not, we can wrap her up early. I'm okay with that. Apparently, I have a daughter crawling upstairs. I should probably go check in on that. Um, but tell me, tell me what you think. Yeah, I mean, I've really got uh, nothing else that's new. Um, you know, I'm gonna see uh, you guys down there at, uh, TKO this weekend and. Hopefully get some good content out of it and have some fun racing and stories and uh, should be it should be a blast. Oh man, now we got people in the chat room talking about being able to watch pro motocrosses fifteen minutes from their house. Well, our chat room has way too much more fun than we do. This is ridiculous. The heck, we got <laughs> private parties. We got motocross happening down the street from their house. This is Texas. They took Freestone away from us after two thousand twelve. We got nothing, nothing. Hey, speaking of motocross, I have to say the coolest thing ever this year was in uh, South Carolina. This guy turned his Sprinter into like a widescreen TV, and he had this huge LCD in the door. 
and there's probably like a hundred people surrounded around this guy's trailer watching Supercross. It's pretty cool. Is there a is that like a picture you saw on Facebook or something? No, like I was there. Oh, you were there. Okay. Yeah, Saturday night. I mean, everybody was talking about like, hey, this guy's you know this guy has a race on, and here he has this big like LCD monitor right in the right in the side of his sprinter. Wow. Yep. Some those people, are the people you have to. Those are the people that have jets. <laughs> yep. Exactly. <laughs> Love it. Well, cool. Well, definitely, as always, we really, really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks for your insight and your input. Um, and I guess we'll be hanging out this weekend, huh? Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, we'll have a beer Saturday night because I will not be racing on Sunday, regardless of making it or not making it. I don't think I'll make it one, but two, even if I did, I've got way too many responsibilities on Sunday to take care of. But I can still have a few beers Saturday yeah. evening. Wait, uh, you didn't really say about Endoracross yet, did you? No. Uh, I, I don't no. know if it's if it's public knowledge or not, honestly. Like, we haven't been it, – so it's just kind of been like a, eh. But uh, we do know that there will be a press release uh, next Tuesday, the 19th. The 19th okay. is when the press release comes out. So that's the official word. I'm, and, and so I just kind of was like, I guess we'll just leave it to that. You know, I, it doesn't it doesn't benefit us more or less. You know what I mean? To So, yeah. All right. I know. But we'll talk about it this weekend. Don't you worry. Yeah. Sweet. Well, you take it easy. Have fun out there. And well, yeah, we'll see you this weekend. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Thanks man. Peace. Mr. Zach Huberty, folks, don't forget you can check innovationoffroad.com for his thoughts, reviews, interests, and uh, ability to post things on the internet. Actually, I think he does a fantastic job, and I'm really happy with the coverage that we've been seeing at the National Enduros because of Zach. So that's, if nothing else, that's definitely a reason you should go check it out uh, because I told you to. I think that's, uh, that's, that's pretty good, right? Yeah, let's go with that. We watched Monster Cup on the side of a dude's motorhome at Cross Timbers last year. See? Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, that's way you're just notified when we upload videos or maybe when we're going live, things of that sort. Uh, of course, um, Stitcher and iTunes, you can subscribe there um, to get updates of this as a podcast, audio only, so you don't have to stare at my face, which for some of you, I can imagine that that's probably the way that you prefer it. Totally understand with that. We will not have a show next week. Uh, as Zach was alluding to some stuff, we've got a lot of stuff down the pipe for next week. <laughs> not touching anybody's pipe, but there will be a lot going on next week, and so we're going to take that time to organize ourselves and get ready for uh, what's coming up in the future. Uh, definitely pay attention to the internet. I guess it's going to be announced soon at some point. Maybe. We'll see what happens. Uh, if nothing else, we really appreciate everybody paying attention for being in the chat room, for being uh, so cool. We will be sending out a tweet here shortly uh, for someone to win some tickets to the Enduro Cross round in Atlanta. So thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. Anything I missed, Stephen? All right. Stephen Rice, Ground Force. Go follow him. <laughs>